for many years and struggled with imposter syndrome because I was an accountant in the music business. Hello, I'm Robert Tame and welcome to Working for Compassion. This podcast explores how using compassion and emotional intelligence can improve people's work lives and create competitive advantage for your business. I'll be asking my guests how we can make the world of work a kinder, more engaging and productive place to be. Tune in to learn compassion tips for yourself and your teams before your people start dropping out. My guest today is Brian Message. Brian is a partner in Courtyard Management and co-founder of All Things Considered Limited, operating out of London and Los Angeles. He manages over 60 artists, including Nick Cave, Radiohead and Laura Marling. He was previously chairman of the Music Management Forum, the largest representative body of music management in the world. Brian loves investing in business startups and has mentored many entrepreneurs, including me. In a podcast, he talks about how he went from a geography degree to managing one of the world's biggest rock bands. Why practicing compassion makes you feel good and how tough compassion has helped negotiations between artists. He gives some tips on responding to triggers, the dangers of assumptions and the new complexity that COVID has brought to managing rock and roll tours. There's lots of wisdom from Brian in this podcast. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Brian, welcome to the Working for Compassion podcast. Thank you very much, Robert. It's good to be here. Now, I know you're involved in many areas. It'd just be great if you could give our listeners just a little summary of your background and and what you're working on currently. Yeah, sure. I did that very, very useful degree at Southampton University. I then thought, okay, I better try and do something about this and did a chartered accountancy qualification for three years. Took me to the age of 24. I very much decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur and have my own business. Actually, not so much for good reasons other than I thought if I was in a corporate environment you can get judged and passed over quickly for promotion so if you have your own business you can't really uh, go wrong in inverted commas other than fail of course so I then spent most of my 20s doing exactly that failing all over the place I was about to give up and go join a big big firm had a couple of opportunities didn't really want to go to the city but they were sort of leading that way And then I got an offer from EMI Records to have a look at some of the artist issues at the time. They wanted somebody sort of entrepreneurial. So I looked at music and I thought, actually, you know what? Music is really entrepreneurial. If I keep my radar up, I'm I'm bound to meet somebody. Within six months, I met these two guys. I I said, right, those guys think just like me. I spent a year battering them to become their partner eventually and uh, I joined them I think I yeah I think I I coughed up about 30,000 pounds for a share in the business Uh, unbeknownst to me that year one of their bands had a launch of their successful second record this band happened to be Radiohead and this was the start of a, a journey that sort of took me down the artist management cut forward to today we have a music business that now manages about 60 acts we are booking agents to about 40 we have a live streaming business which is a reaction to covid called drift and we're based out of london and los angeles along the way i've never as you alluded to i've never really lost the appetite to do entrepreneurial work and invest i love 
seed investments, early start stuff. And I've been doing that on and off for the last 20 years. Often that coincides with some of what our artists do. So I'm chairman of the fashion business, The Vampire's Wife, which is the brainchild and driving force behind it is Susie Cave, who is wife to Nick Cave, who I manage. So plenty of those sort of investments and companies that, as you say, Robert, I try to mentor and help to the promised land. So lots going on, Brian. How's the quality of your work-life balance at the moment? It's pretty, I'd say it's a little out of kilter. I think COVID created a whole list of challenges. In fact, it's not so much COVID, but lockdown strategies to cope with COVID, which I'm not especially wild on what the route that Western democracies took. However, that's a whole new thing. Yeah, that obviously threw up a whole load of challenges, whether that's from the vampire's wife, to, in particular, our music business, 70% of our revenue used to come from the sale of concert tickets. So that literally stopped overnight. So as I say, we're a business of 60 people. So keeping that rolling was was a challenge. Uh, We've managed to do that. We've sort of taken it as an opportunity to fundraise so that we can come out of this era stronger. We've We've had a lot of projects coming together. Lots of artists have been making music over this COVID period. So now they want to put it out. Uh, Now they want to go on tour. The environment for touring is much trickier. Not so much because of Brexit, but COVID protocols make things tricky. There's a, you know, there's obviously a a reluctance, particularly from an older generation to go and buy concert tickets for indoor venues. So I'd say it's a bit trickier. It's been helped a little bit by the fact, I should say a little bit, a lot by the fact that the five kids that we have have all left home, the youngest left home in September of last year. They're all in higher education and work. So the reduction in responsibilities for that actually has has helped quite significantly. Okay, that smoothed it out. I, I, I know what I know what you mean. <laughs> so you talked uh you know a little bit about the pandemic. I mean I, I read somewhere you described it as like being a bit like the Wild West the last 18 months. Can you can you just develop that theme a little? Yeah, look, I, I suppose you know when when touring stopped and we're, we're sort of sitting there going, what are we going to do now? You know, one of the great things, I suppose, well, one of the one of the upsides of, of a shock like this is that you have to innovate, and that does make it like the Wild West. So we we trialed a pay per view concert with one of our artists, Laura Marling. Back in June last year, where literally people bought tickets for an online once only viewing of a show uh, and it went very well and people seemed to really like it and caught the imagination. We did another one then with Nick Cave live from Alexander Palace, where he's sitting on a piano in a 10,000 capacity room on his own. So incredibly striking and relevant to the time. And so we built a business out of that. Now, you know, that business now employs about 15 people and is expanding and we're just raising money for it's a bit of a roller coaster because not every not every show works and we're acting as promoter so otherwise we're taking the financial risk so yeah that's definitely a bit like the wild west and then at the same time of course it's tricky because people are now you know music in particular is a very communal activity and when you take that communal spirit away trying to manage your way through that from remotely with everybody 
including your artists, including the people that work with you, it's a challenge. And you know, you're making things up as you go along. Yeah, sure. And I mean, the, putting the pandemic aside, I mean, has artist management changed a lot in, in, in the time that you've been managing artists? Since the since yes, since I started, yes, very much so. It's uh, back in the day when I kicked off. A manager was the re- the representative of an artist at the record company table, and the record company was the all powerful equation, part of the equation. Nowadays, where artists have a lot more autonomy and there are a lot more choices to be to be had, managers are very much the sort of business partners. So we are very ingrained in and driving everything that artists do, much more so. So that's quite a radical shift in in how management works. Mm. Mm. And j- just moving the conversation on a bit, you know, there's been a lot of stigma around mental health, you know, maybe previously. That that seems to be falling away. And, and I think one of the effects of the pandemic you know, it's clearly affected many, many people. I mean, do you think that the stigma around mental health has changed in your industry? I think it's 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 evolved for sure. It's always been around, though. You know, I think the mental well-being of artists in particular is important. And, you know, the many, of course, many artists are on the cusp of almost sanity and insanity, so it's always been at the forefront of thinking and there's been, you know, there's been well-documented issues along the way. You know, people obviously like Amy Winehouse, one of many uh, where the mental issues have uh, have been, have come, ended up in a shocking way. And the journey that that artist has gone through, you could definitely challenge what's gone on in terms of mental well-being, etc. So I think things have evolved because obviously mental well-being as as a society has, has, has moved on significantly, you know, for obviously for the better. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't say there's been a revolution in it, but it's definitely evolved and learning for sure. And and so, you know, you're managing many artists and you're also managing managers of artists because you're, yeah. you know, it's your company. Yeah. I mean, how do you approach that? I mean, what kind of skills... Do you try and uh, teach them? Because, as you said, artists are, are are often on the edge, and that that's what makes them, in a in a lot of ways, successful. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I think one of the reasons I was very keen to do this talk was I would I would genuinely say that compassion and calmness is very much at the centre uh, of a strategy to deal with people operating in this space. I think you certainly from my perspective you have to you have to put yourself in other people's shoes all the time you have to try to see things from their perspective all the time and I think that is a central part of a compassionate approach I'm definitely one to try to listen to stand back to breathe to sleep on things all those things cuz thing it, you know can get volatile and I think actually right now is a a really tricky time to some degree when we all went into lockdown last year there was a certainty there was almost you know we we kind of knew what they were doing to some degree as we sort of have this sort of start stop push pull 
environment now, a compassionate approach is absolutely critical. I, 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 I give you an example that's, that's live right now. So one of the guys that I managed, Nick Cave, who I mentioned before, Nick Cave and Warren Ellis are out on tour at the moment. Now there are probably 15 crew on the road in total. And the artists are on the road. There's no there's no COVID insurance. So if Nick or Warren have a positive test, that's the end of the tour. No, not insured. So it's a risky environment. Everybody has a different view within the party as to what's the right bit or the wrong bit of how we should operate as a unit on the road. Should 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 people be allowed to come in and have and see Nick and Warren from outside after? Should there be a bubble? Should there be after shows? Should there not be after shows? Should the manager who's come in from being out there in the dirty world see Nick after the show? If he does, should he talk? Should he chat to him from a distance? Should he take a COVID test? Should he hug? All of those things. And with the crew in themselves, if they're on a bus together, should they be on two buses? Should they see nobody? And everybody has a different view. We managed to get to a point where everybody agreed policy and a philosophy i think because of compassion because actually every and we set it out at the at the very beginning okay guys we're all going to have a different view we've all got to try to reach a consensus to which we are all comfortable operating within it took a while to put to come together but we got it together and everyone is operating with that some will agree to bits some won't agree to other bits but we're all working towards it there isn't an after show party at any of the shows. I'm in that bizarre scenario where I'll go to a show and I won't see Nick or Warren before or after the show. In fact, I'm talking to them on the phone from a different room because they're in a bubble. Now, personally, I think that's a load of nonsense and I don't agree with it. However, that is not the consensus and I totally accept that. I don't want to be the person to give to give rise to a positive test for Nick and Warren and therefore the tour gets cancelled because that would be obviously cataclysmic. So I you know, we have we have those events happening all the time and I fe- I find people are a little bit frayed, they're a, they're a little bit rinsed. From my perspective, having an understanding of that, and if someone loses it, then we need to be compassionate about it but but often you know give everybody guidance and guidelines more so now than probably that i have ever remembered yeah wow that yeah i mean the implications that you've just explained there are huge and getting that collaborate i suppose it's collaboration communication you know and compassion so that everybody yeah, comes to the table and understands other people's positions is, is, I think, really powerful, isn't it? It is. And you have to, we have to understand, and this must be going on in all walks of life and all industries, that everybody is terrified to, to, a, to a greater or lesser degree for being responsible for doing something. So in this case, I've just given an example. Understandably, a lot of people working on the team were terrified of being the person who killed the tour and stopped all the economics, and everyone's mm. everyone's broke. And then to be that person who stops the tour and stops everyone's money is really tricky. And that pressure is huge on everybody. That, 
that's unprecedented, really, isn't it? Because obviously you said you can't get any insurance. The tour gets pulled. And and obviously, you know, we're talking now in September and, and yesterday, you know, the test match at Manchester got pulled, didn't it? I, I happen to have been around that kind of industry as a caterer yeah. and, and know the preparation, the amount of money that could be made and all of the stock would be there, all the staff booked. I mean, the financial implications of something like that, and, and I know safety is, is paramount, but this balancing act is, is unprecedented, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, and I, look, I, I personally think that was a mistake, but there are going to be those situations through time as, as we go forward. Some things people are going to get right, some things people are going to get wrong. Mm. But again, we just have to... We just have to accept that that's that's the journey now. Yeah. So you've talked a bit about compassion already. I just would like to understand what your definition of of compassion means to you, Brian. Oh God, lordy, lordy! I think I've got some. I suppose I'll have some buzzwords for it. Care would be one. As I said earlier, you know, putting yourself in other people's shoes is 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 a bit critical. Kindness. Understanding, I do find compassion is easier done when not tired. You know, sleep is a great thing. So I, so I would chuck that in there as part of the ecosystem to some degree for compassion. I do find assumption is a, is a killer for, for compassion. So too often we we all can and i'm i'm as guilty as anyone we can assume something when when looking at a situation and our assumptions are wrong so i like the understanding that you know we all obviously we all have to make judgments and judgments are important but we we need to try and make them without assuming too many things or too many unknowns so a, a good understanding of that i think is an important part of compassion I really, I think that's a great insight about, you know, assumption and because, yeah, that that can that can easily send compassion the wrong way if you make the wrong assumption. I I think that's a really strong insight. I mean, the the, the definition talks about, you know, as it being different to empathy with compassion, you actually take some, you, you actually compassion, you take action. So I always just shorthand it as it's empathy plus action. So that walking in other people's shoes, you know, you, you're spot on. That's often a big definition of, of, of how you can bring compassion to a situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I like, I, I like, look, we can all see situations differently. I, I, this is, this is a slightly nonsensical, but I always marvel how uh, two football managers can watch the same football match and everyone, exactly the same thing happens. They see every, everything the same. But of course, their optics from both lenses are completely different. And I often remind myself of that, that even though I'm looking at something straight on or an issue or a set of circumstances, someone else can see exactly the same thing. I see it in a completely different way because of either either their interests or their upbringing or or the time of day or any of, the, any of those factors. So having an understanding of that, I think is quite useful. Mm. Or, or their agendas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Mm. And of course, we all come at everything with a, a particular agenda. 
Uh, mm. So it's not surprising that we all look at different things in a, in a different way. And, and you've got to, you've got to, you've got to get into particularly relationships, understanding that. You know, you, you're very much in a, in a business world. You've been around that for, for, for all your life. Do you see a role for compassion, for emotional intelligence, for mindfulness in the workplace? Oh, massively so. Look, particularly since the advent of social media and the ability to communicate with vast numbers of people beyond your own family and beyond your own tribes, you've got to have a sense of, and, and and, and in fact, to some degree, we need a greater emphasis on compassion everybody that i that i work with are are being bombarded with information some of it hostile some of it not hostile some of it you know created by foreign agents who who are trying to stir things up and you've again you've got you've got to be able to to step back review things in the fullness of, of information that is available and take a compassionate approach to all this because it's tricky. It, today's world is, is is a tricky communication and relationship world, uh, much more so. I think that it's you know for the, for the for the generations growing up now, you know when we were when we and you were growing up, Robert, we, it was relatively straightforward. You know, we, we didn't have too many too many influences. It's a whole different ball game today, and we often talk about this generation being or the the you know upcoming current younger generations as being snowflakes and i'm not sure that's true i think they're absolutely incredibly well doing an incredible job of dealing with an enormous amount of information that's being thrown at them so look i think that not just in the workplace i i think for all of us that 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 boundary between work go back to your first point that boundary between work and life that balance is much blurred now People are working from home. People are, are doing pleasurable things at, at work or during work time. It's all become, and that was going on pre-COVID, has been accelerated by COVID. So as a consequence of that, you've got to have compassion right at the front and centre of the managing all of those relationships and all that communication. It's an, it's, I imagine the human brain must be evolving something crazy at the minute because of the amount of information that's being chucked at it. That, that that central role that compassion has got to play in that blended life that we all have, or many of us have, is critical, critical. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that. I've always seen you as a very focused man as well, Brian, and, and there's more and more distractions. There's a study uh, in America a few years ago where, where they recorded that human beings are distracted 47% of their waking lives. I mean... How how can you manage that? But I just wonder whether there's any, you know, tools you use or, or philosophies you use to keep yourself from being distracted. Well, I, 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 I'm quite well known at work for getting a bit distracted. So I tend to make sure that my meetings on the whole are no longer, my Zoom meetings are no longer than 30 minutes. You've got to be able to get most things done within a 30 minute place. Make sure there's there's breaks in between you know, exercise, focus on, on mental well-being, all those things, discipline, but it's hard. And it's, it is a, it's definitely a fight to, to keep it under control. 
not to get too distracted. But yeah, I look. I, you know, I, I haven't read a book in ten years. I don't think I could sit. I don't think I could sit and read for a prolonged period of time. Now, look, to some degree, it's been taken over by. I watch more sport. I watch more films. You know that 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 taken over, which is uh, a different way of doing it. But you know those things, particularly sport and watching sport and films, is is I, you don't have to be on your game. So you know you can just let it sort of wash over. But when you're on your game, and I do, I do get a sense of this. I don't know how it is with you, but and often I, because I find myself in a leadership position, I'm performing. I'm off, you know, in, in, I could be on 10, 12 Zooms a day, which would probably be my average. And I'm performing in probably all of them. So that level of performance, it, it takes it out of you. You have to have mechanisms around that to cope with it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's interesting. So you'd say, I mean, you seem a real advocate of compassion. I mean, you'd, you'd say that this could give businesses a competitive advantage by bringing this part of their culture and, and and centrally in their business oh hugely so yeah yeah you know that's i think you get a you get a much better work atmosphere you get collegiate people working together you know interestingly like like many like many businesses we have many people now working from home making sure we keep in touch with everybody from home, making sure actually we, that everyone does come together on a Wednesday, more for social interaction than actually doing something as such. Those, I think, are all compassionate approaches that actually I think will mean that our team will be better and will be able to balance better. I know from, from a, a number of the managers, particularly actually some, some of the younger mums, who have a really tricky life of balancing young families, give them the opportunity to work from home, look after their kids as and when they need to, to work around that and to zoom around that. I think that they're they're much happier. There's less stress. As a consequence, everybody benefits. Uh, the business benefits in particular. And I, you know, I I I see happy people on zooms but i do think part of that compassion is saying to them as well look don't bunker down too much don't spend your whole five days a week every week at home come in be social meet people hug people chat do all that sort of stuff and make sure you do that at least once a week it doesn't have to be more than that but it it needs to be at least that so that 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 sort of compassionate leadership i think is important yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds like you've been very premeditated on 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 really thinking about that and getting that blend right. And by the sound of it, you're you're reaping the rewards. If your team are happy, then they're going to be performing better, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Look, it's um for all of us, particularly in in the in the music game, and I imagine it's the same in a, in a lot of industries as well. It's a seven day a week job. You don't, of course, Friday. Well, Friday afternoon, Saturday. And Sunday are less voluminous uh, in work, but people are, you know, we're in the entertainment business. We've got things happening on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. So you you have to you have to build in and have a real understanding of that balance between life and work life and play life and personal life, and that really does require a, a, a compassionate approach 
from from us as leaders of the business. Mm. Just wonder whether there's any stories that you have that you could share with with our listeners about maybe when you've received compassion or kindness. You seem pretty good at handing it out, but you know, reversing it and and whether you yes. can find some stories and and the impact that maybe it had on you as well. Yeah, look, actually, I'm going to go out of the workplace for this one. I was obviously thinking about this somewhat earlier. One of the most compassionate acts that I ever received was probably when I was 11, 12. Being the son of a guy in the Air Force, we travelled around every two years. So, you know, born in Germany, lived in Libya, went to Ireland, lived in London, in England, did a bounced around. And we went and moved to Hereford. And I happened to just, I've just started secondary school. And I had a, I got into a really good bunch of mates that I liked. And then my dad got a posting to Anglesey in North Wales, which filled me with horror. And I said, I said, I sat down with my mum and dad and I, and I said, I can't do this. I, I, you know, this is, this is not, this is not right. And my dad actually came out of the Air Force in order for us to be able to stay in Hereford. So that myself and my sister, who was 18 months younger, could have a stable education through, through 16 and through 18. I think probably that's the most compassionate act that I could have seen because his his work was his life you know he he left school with no with no qualifications and then joined the air force at 15/16 and the air force was his life so i think that's that's massive and set mm. tone for me i'd have to say probably was instrumental in me think, feeling about compassion as being a central thing because he took a massive sacrifice as did my mum to do that and then again again another one outside the workplace is we about 10 years ago my wife and I we the two kids they were 10 and 8 at the time the <laughs> we my, my wife's sister um, had died and we and a whole bunch of tragedies we ended up, because we were guardians to the three boys, but the three boys, I think, as you know, came to join us. And we sat with, with, with our daughter, who was 10, and our son, who was 8, and said, look, the three boys, there's three options here. They either go and live with their father, as we know, who's alcoholic, not, so, not such a... And we've tried that before, it hasn't worked. They either go to foster care or they come here. And both of the kids said, listen, we'd like them to come and live here. Now, obviously, there's a lovely bit of naivety and youth in all of that stuff, but neither of them balked at it then. And for the 10 years that we have been a family of seven rather than a family of four, neither Molly or Jude have ever once said, I wish it would be like it was. Uh, so I think that is a massive commitment to compassion. You know, obviously, you can imagine the boys came in somewhat damaged in, in different ways, funnily enough. But I think that the approach of Molly and Jude cemented us as, a, you know, it would have been very, very easy and understandable, 
100% understandable for them to have said, listen, can we not work something else out? Or for, you know, I suppose even for the four of us to said, can we work something else out? Because it was a massive shock to the family unit. They're brilliant stories, Brian. And, you know, they do say that compassion is contagious. Yeah. That actually, if you can bring compassion, whether that's your home life to, to your life or to the workplace, you know, people really pick up on that. Yeah. And there's this, there's this thing that there's a psychologist, Jonathan Haidt talks about moral elevation that you actually being around those kind of acts, you know, you, you viscerally feel it and, yeah. and, and, and you pick up on it. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think, I think you're exactly right. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would say personally, when, you know, we worked together and you, you were supporting the business that I was running, you know, we went through some pretty tricky times that I found incredibly challenging. Um, I, I, I had a lot of fear of, of the consequences and, you know, you, you were a presence kind of an energy that, that, that helped me relax. You know, I think you have that naturally. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, that contagion, you know, I read about these things in, in books and you kind of go, well, yeah, I really get that. And, and the stories that you've just recounted there absolutely underline it. So I think that's really powerful. I, I just picked that up, that contagion, because it's, it's interesting. Actually. I've not really thought about that, but it is, it's very true. And, you know, I, we've got a live situation going on right now. I won't say who it is, but we've got, we've got one, one of our artists is really struggling from a mental health perspective. And got themselves into a bit of a situation and I was talking to his partner as in as in business partner in 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 the band and we were discussing what to do and we the partner wrote this wonderful email to to you know to the to the lead singer saying listen I will tour with you till the ends of the earth I'm committed to you a hundred percent but I'm only going to do that if xyz happens and it was it was it was disciplined compassion it was i'm with you i'm committed to you i will do whatever it takes but we can only do it within the framework of this if if you lose the plot or go off the rails or whatever i can't put myself through that we need to sort this out and that was really useful for the other guy to hear because it helped it helped it helped frame that this that his partner was with him and is with him and will continue to be with him but he knows what he needs to do in order to keep that well again i, I really like that it's almost like tough compassion yeah that isn't it you know and and uh you know like tough love sometimes it, it you know sometimes people have to fire people or make people redundant but there's a compassionate way of doing that, isn't there? And, and I think that's yeah. this common humanity theme that comes through as well and respect. Uh, and I think that's really important. Yeah, no, no, very true. Okay, cool. Just is there, is there any kind of examples that spring to mind where, you know, you've, you've kind of had ultra compassion that you've had to bring ultra compassion to a, to a situation that, 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 has been in the workplace you mean where, where i've experienced it or 
you brought it. You've had yeah. to be the kind of the bringer of compassion. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, it, it, it happens all the time. The interesting bit about this actually is, is, is probably for me is not so much the bringing of it because I tend to try and go at it every day. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee results. You know, you can be in a scenario where you're being compassionate and you're and you're hoping that you're going to get some, uh, the, the right results out of it. And in fact, it goes completely the wrong way. Often that can happen. You know, you're, when you're when you're managing an artist and you lose that level of disc, that level of connection, you know, that for some reason trust can get can break down, and you're trying to approach things in that way and you just and you can't no matter what you try to do you can't you can't make it work and and it's like almost like clutching a ghost that's that that bit so i think that look the, the compassion in, in workplace it's so there's it's it's so numerous because it you we're doing we're doing it all the time and i think as, as a management team are doing it all the time, particularly out of, as, we, as we come out of these uh, lockdown strategies. But yeah, I think it's more it's more interesting. But it's not it's not it's not. Whilst it's incredibly effective, it's not always the answer. It's not always going to get the results that you might want. One of the things I do like about compassion, though, in the workplace, in particular, anyway, is is it makes you feel good about yourself. I don't know how your it is with you. But certainly with me, if I feel like I'm trying to see things from someone else's perspective, your, i.e. empathy plus action, I think that's a really nice space to come from. I, there's lots of studies, Brian, that absolutely, you know, come to that point that if you can be compassionate, you know, the effect that yeah. it has on you, yeah, they call it a helpers, you know, and it, it it neurologically, you know, releases chemicals in the brain that, that that make you feel well. And, you know, there's lots and lots of studies. Richard Davidson from, you know, he does lots of where he's putting putting through people through MRI scans, you know, serious kind of meditators as well. And their brains function in a completely different way to your average person. It, it, it's fascinating that if you can cultivate this action you know th this behavior mm. then it makes you feel better as well so there's like a win-win win -win. out of that so yeah I, I think you're right to feel that yeah is there anything that triggers you brian you know you work in a high pressure environment you know you try and lead with compassion you know you must get triggered from time to time do you mean triggered in a in a negative way an emotional an emotional way oh uh, yeah you know yeah 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 totally the thing that I've learned through that process is, you know, if someone hits you from sort of left out of left field unexpectedly and in, a, in an emotional way, it's those really well-known disciplines of take your time, don't reply straight away, sit on it, work a plot or a plot out, maybe, maybe write something but don't send, maybe wait till the following day, try and approach it without the emotion. I think emotion, emotion is really important, but I'm a big, I'm a big lover of positive emotion. Going back to the thing I was talking about earlier in terms of the performance uh, and performing, I love to bring emotion in a positive way 
into what I'm doing, you know, where where you get stuff thrown at you. I think the, 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 the beauty is like I'm 56 years old now. So I've been around the block. I've got some experience. I've seen some stuff. So when, when, when stuff uh, comes at you in a difficult way, invariably I've seen most of it before. So you, you, that experience helps you uh, cope with it much better. And that, that bit actually I, I love because, you know, I suppose we all like to control and we don't want to be out of control. So knowing that I, that I kind of know what to do in most situations, or if people are asking me or other, or, or, or someone's losing the plot, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to succumb to that. And look, I, I lived for many years and struggled with imposter syndrome because I was an accountant in the music business. You know, like I, it was ridiculous. And, and then I ended up working with one of the most important rock bands in the world. And I really struggled with the whole imposter syndrome stuff. So when, when people used to throw stuff at me, it was a, re- they were real zingers. You know, it was really get to the heart of it. Again, I just through 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 lots of of techniques, etc., and, and and experience, got to that place of of being able to cope with that with that stuff. Mm. Well, it sounds like you've got really good awareness. I mean, do you meditate at all? I mean, is that is that in your life? I do yoga. I, I do yoga with with my wife, uh, and we do that. I don't I don't meditate. I know I work with lots of people who do, and I, I see it work significantly. Work, wealth though I see them I've seen a lot of people start it and be better for it afterwards yeah but yes I think that yeah 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 yoga is probably probably the the closest I come to that yeah yeah and you know you know lots of people you're very networked Brian I mean are there any leaders out there that you admire that are uh, you'd say are are really leading with compassion in my own in my own world i think nick cave is remarkable and he has demonstrated that he has he's got this thing called the red hand files which is a well-known blog now it's got a huge follow followership compassion is sown through his weekly blogs you know he's uh, so i think he is an extraordinary leader he's actually He's that, to my mind, he's actually got more talents out outside of music to some degree than he has within because he's so brilliant. So, you know, so, so he's not he's not he's not a leader in that in that sort of traditional sense. But I think he's he's definitely a cultural leader, and uh, in years to come, uh, I think he'll become almost maybe maybe more well known for that. Outside of that, and outside of my own sphere, I'm not sure I know an, an answer to that one to be honest. Okay, well, listen, I know you're busy and we're, we're coming to the end of, of this interview. So is there, any, is there any single thing that is in your mind that, that could be done to create a more compassionate work life for the majority? If, there was, if, there was, if you had to boil it down to, to one thing, what, what might that be? Crikey. I don't know, I'll flip on his head. What do you think it is? Connection is is just keeping that connection, especially through what yeah, like we've that. been we we we've been through. I think that we're social beings, aren't we? And what's happened to us in the last eighteen months or so, you know, it's very alien to to, to what we're yeah. used to. We're lucky that we're at a time where all this technology is has enabled us. Imagine this without 
you know, the internet or yeah. home shopping or, or anything like that. But yeah, right. connection to me is still well, really key. Yeah, I suppose if you don't have a connection, you don't have a platform for compassion. Do you? Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. That's the thing. So you're right. And I, look, I, 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 you saying that makes I feel quite good about the, about the work because we've really tried hard to be, keep, stay connected with people. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing is awareness because you're unable to be compassionate unless you're aware of the situation yeah. or as you were saying before, the assumption. So, you know, if we walk around unaware, <laughs> then we're going to get ourselves in trouble. So that that's another really key, key part that I think that helping people or, or coaching people to work on their awareness as, as well with, with all this distraction we have in life, it's very easy to just, Live, have a whole day and not even put your head up and realize what's going on yeah no totally right totally right oh, cool well thank you brian that's been a really great conversation thank you very much for joining i know you're busy so uh yeah well, thanks a pleasure to talk to you and particular about this subject it's a important one